Welcome everyone to Dafyomi one week at a time. Uh, this is our first lesson of Masachet Yevamot. Uh, so first of all, welcome to uh, any new uh, learners who are with us today. Um, we have a lot to do today, and uh, I want to begin. Today we are actually going to uh, I'm going to try to review Daf two till uh, Daf 8. Again, uh, for those of you who are new to Daf Yomi, uh, the Masechet starts on Daf 2, on Daf Bet. Uh, there are numerous explanations for this. Uh, again, one is uh, that the cover page is, is the first page. Uh, another one is uh, there is no beginning or end to Torah. It is uh, a vast sea that we are just a part of. Uh, another is that the first page is the page of uh, what's called Derech Eretz, of uh, being a, a good person. And then at page two, uh, we begin in the Gemara. Um, but I'd like to give an, uh, an, an introduction to Masachet Yivamot. Um, as Lynn pointed out, uh, you can see here on the slide, there is a, a sandal. Uh, this shoe uh, is a very specific shoe uh, that we will talk about in a minute. Um, so let's let's talk about uh, this Masechet. So um, the, um, the, the idea here is uh, we're going to talk about Yibum. Uh, yibum is uh, the the idea that if a married man dies and he doesn't have any children, um, his brother needs to marry his widow. Um, this is called Yibum, in English, uh, a Leverite marriage. Um, now, what is the purpose? The, the Torah tells us uh, that what does this do? It keeps the deceased brother's name alive. Lekayem uh, Shem. We are going to um, establish a name for the brother, i.e. having a descendant, a child. Um, we see this uh, happen in the, the Torah, uh, not in exactly the same way, but Yehuda, I mean, it starts off in the same way. Yehuda has a son. The son is married to Tamar. The son dies. The next brother marries Tamar. That son dies. Uh, Yehuda does not let, or his third son does not marry Tamar. In the end, Yehuda uh, marries Tamar. Um, and we can say they all live happily ever after, uh, but we'll we'll get to that uh, another time. Um, so we're going to see a number of of uh, factors here, and we're going to see how um, this masechet will get a little complicated. Uh, I will try to explain as much as possible, um, but. Um, we're going to see in the Gemara that Yibum can be done um, by any brother. Um, the and the wife is prohibited from marrying anybody outside the family, meaning as soon as her husband dies, uh, she has, uh, we'll see in a minute, a, a connection to these brothers, uh, and one of them needs to do uh, yibum. If a brother, or we'll see later on, or if the wife, uh, if, if they do not want to do yibum, there's a ceremony that they can do, um, and this ceremony is called chalitza. Um, and this ceremony uh, basically releases their obligation to marry each other, and then um, the wife can marry, again, the, the widow can marry anyone outside uh, of the family. The ceremony is done with this shoe or sandal that you see here in the picture, uh, and we're going to learn um, 
uh, a lot more uh, about this. Um, but basically, the widow removes this shoe and she spits in front of him, not on him. Some people think on him, not on him. Uh, and she says certain verses. Um, just some terms. Uh, the, the brother who is going to marry the widow is called the Yavam. Again, he is going to do Yibum. So he is called the Yavam. Uh, the widow is called the Yivama. Right, she is going to do yibum as well. Um, another term is called zika. Zika means that there's um, a connection, or or they're tied together, uh, the the widow and any of the surviving brothers. Um, another term is ma'amar. Uh, ma'amar is um, when uh, I guess we would say is. When, when the brother decides that he's going to marry the widow, he does what's called ma'amar, and this is like betrothing the woman, even though, again, as we said, there's already a connection, uh, so it's not called kidushin, which is regular betrothal, rather it's called ma'amar. Um, and um, the, the last term that I just want to uh, explain is the term tsara. Um, the word tsara uh, means, like if anybody knows the word like tsaris, uh, means, right, uh, trouble or problems. Uh, in the Mishnah, the word tsara means a co-wife or a rival wife or what we would call maybe a sister wife. Uh, again, to remember, um, we are dealing in the times, uh, definitely in the times of in the Mishnah and in the Gemara, um, there is polygamy, meaning a man is allowed to marry uh, more than one woman, uh, and therefore um, those women are called co-wives or tsarot. Uh, and this is going to, uh, we'll see, uh, maybe we'll call it complicate issues or uh, not complicate issues um, as we begin. So let's begin on DAF, uh, on DAF 2. Um, I'm going to share um, my screen with you so you can see uh, these uh, actually, uh, again, I'll open the chat box if anybody wants to uh, ask a question. Um, the um, these slides were uh, created by uh, the the website Hadron. Uh, some of you might listen to my shear uh, through the Hadron website. And um, this um, this these slides there are a lot. So I'm I'm actually uh, we'll see. Either I won't go through all of them, or we'll go through them quickly. Um, but they visualize all of the relationships that we're about to uh, discuss. So um, the first Mishnah on Daf 2 tells us that there are 15 women who are prohibited to the brother. Again, we just set up the case. Uh, there's a man, he's married to a woman, uh, he dies without any children. The woman that must now marry the brother. However, the Mishnah tells us that that's not the case in every single relationship because there are going to be certain relationships that um, the brother is not allowed to marry the wife. Um, and we're going to go through, again, there are 15 of them. You can see them here on the screen. His daughter, his daughter's daughter, his son's daughter. We'll go through each one. You can read them here. Um, and um, the Mishnah also tells us that not only is Yibum not done with the woman 
who uh, is prohibited, but also um, the co-wives are also exempt uh, from Yibum. Uh, and not only the co-wives, but the co-wives of the co-wives. Um, so let's just, I'll just show you, um, hold on one minute, let's see if I can do it. Okay. Um, so I'm going to show you some of these slides. Again, there are a lot here. Um, so I just want to make sure uh, that you just see um, what, uh, what we're talking about. Here you have uh, a relationship, okay? Um, and in all of these, um, in all of these slides, um, you're going to see brothers, right? The brothers are the same color, and a child is going to be a lighter color, right? So Reuven, we're always, we generally use Reuven Shimon. Um, so Reuven and Shimon are brothers. Uh, Reuven has a daughter. Now, um, the the daughter, right? The Reuven's brother Shimon marries Yael, and we see he's also married to another woman. So now, if Shimon dies, X means he dies. Um, so if Shimon dies, Reuven cannot marry Yael because that is his daughter, and he's not allowed to marry his daughter. And he also does not have to marry or sh cannot marry Shula who is the co-wife to Yael because of that relationship. Um, the Gemara also, the Mishnah also tells us that um, let's say there's another brother and the other brother, Levi, does marry Shula because he's not related to Yael or to Shula. So he marries her. And now when Levi dies, all right, again, Ruvain uh, does not need to marry any of the wives. However, says the Gemara, if the daughter dies first and then the husband dies, now Ruvain can marry Shula. Um, okay, I hope that was not too complicated, um, but basically each slide is going to go through um, another relationship. So we'll do another one and then we can do them quickly because uh, once we get the idea, uh, we understand how it works, right? Again, now Ruvain, um, the next case, so the first case was his daughter. Now it's his daughter's daughter, meaning his granddaughter. So you can see here, Yael is his granddaughter. Shimon marries Yael and another woman. Shimon dies. Ruvain, right, does not marry Yael or Shula, right? Again, if the other brother does, they're all exempt. If Yael dies first, then Shimon dies, then Reuven can marry Shula. Okay, again, um, now it's instead of the grand, the, it's still a granddaughter, but instead of it being the daughter of the daughter, it's the daughter of the son. And it's going to be the same case. Um, so it's the same idea. Um, okay, now it gets a little more complicated. Um, we have a woman, she's married, she has a daughter. She gets divorced and she marries somebody else. She now marries Reuven. Okay, Reuven now has a brother, Shimon. Now Shimon marries Yael. Now again, Yael is not related uh, to Shimon, so that's okay. But again, if Shimon dies, Yael is Reuven's wife's daughter and therefore he cannot marry her um, and he does not have to marry uh, the co-wife. And as we said, it, it extends if there's another brother. If the daughter dies first and then Shimon dies, then he can marry the co-wife. Uh, again, uh, second generation of the same case. Um, so I'm just going to do that quickly. Uh, the second generation, again, from a daughter or from a son, same idea. Um, 
Okay, now we're going to go in a different direction, which is instead of going down, daughter, granddaughter, we're going to go up, mother-in-law, right? So here, uh, Reuben is married to Tamar, and now his brother Shimon marries his mother-in-law. Again, that's not a problem. It's Reuben's mother-in-law. The same idea, if Shimon dies, Reuben cannot marry his mother-in-law, nor can he marry the co-wife. And again, the same thing, if another brother, brother marries her, everybody's exempt. If the mother-in-law dies first, and then Shimon dies, Reuben can marry Shula. Again, uh, now we're going up another generation, right? The, the mother of the mother-in-law, right? If Shimon marries the grandmother-in-law, uh, the same case. I'm really sorry that I'm going fast, but I think you get the idea uh, of how this works. The same thing, mother-in-law, but from the father's side, as opposed to from the mother's side. Um, Okay, here's another case. Um, his maternal half-sister, right? Again, uh, we have two brothers, and now we have, um, we have a wife from, uh, again, we have a, a, a sister. Ooh, sorry about that. Uh, we have a sister from uh, another marriage. Again, um, the, the son is marrying um, the, right, his half sister again sorry let me rephrase the 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 man is not marrying his half sister the man's brother is marrying a, a woman that he's not related to but if he dies the, the woman falls to his half right to the woman falls to her half brother uh and therefore that is problematic um and then again uh if she dies first then it is permitted uh, and again, uh, here we have his mother's sister. Uh, again, I'm really sorry I'm going so fast. Um, these are a lot of relationships. We will see them again later on. Um, but I think it's interesting just to see um, how everybody is either related or not related. When they are related, they are not allowed to marry each other. Uh, when they are not related, they are allowed to marry each other. Um, okay, um, his wife's sister, this one, uh, I mean, they're all important, but this one we're going to uh, discuss a little later, uh, later on. Uh, so we have, again, two sisters. Uh, they marry two brothers. That's actually my grandparents. I have, uh, my grandparents were, right, a brother, marry, right, two brothers, married two sisters. Uh, so now, right, that's totally fine. Two brothers married, marrying two sisters. The problem is that when, right, one of the brothers dies, so now, the, right, Ruvain cannot marry uh, Ruth, right, Shimon's wife, because she is the sister of his wife, and that is uh, a, a, a not permissible uh, relationship, and therefore he cannot marry her, neither, right, not the co-wife or the co-co-wife, uh, but again, um, if she dies first, then it is permitted. Um, and then um, the, again, maternal half-brother's wife. Uh, so we see that here. Uh, again, sorry for getting, uh, right, again, that is okay. Uh, but now when, when they die, uh, they cannot marry each other because really they are related. Everybody becomes exempt, all the co-wives. Um, uh, again, uh, but if they die, Again, then um, the co-wife is permitted if all the relations die before uh, the man uh, who needs to do yibum dies. 
I'm really sorry that I'm going so fast. Uh, you can slow it down. <laughs> um, okay, here's another one we're going to mention at the end of today's daf. The wife of his brother who died before he was born. Uh, and basically it means that there's going to be a baby brother that is going to be born after the original uh, husband dies. So let's see the case. Again, there's Ruvain and Shimon. Ruvain is married to Tamar. Ruvain dies. Shimon marries Tamar. Okay, that's doing Yibum. Now what happens? Um, now Levi is born, and now Shimon dies. Levi does not marry uh, any of the women, right? He does not have to do Yibum um, because he was not alive when his brother, who he needs to do Yibum for, was alive. So if there is a brother uh, that was only um, born after the original brother died, uh, he does not do Yibum. So that is, uh, that, that is this case. Um, and again, we're going to like extend it even further uh, that everybody becomes exempt. Again, of course, um, if, um, if Levi was born before Shimon dies, then he can marry uh, the wife. Okay, last case. Again, I'm so sorry, but we're still on the first Mishnah. Uh, the last case is his daughter-in-law, right? Reuven has a son and a brother. Um, the son gets married. The son dies. Now, right, again, his brother marries that woman, right, meaning his daughter-in-law, then uh, another wife. Then the, the brother dies. Reuven now cannot marry Yael because she originally was his daughter-in-law right and again so too um if there are other co-wives they are all exempt if she dies first then uh and then shimon dies then um then um she is permitted um okay i really hope that that was okay <laughs> um we are now going to proceed um on uh back to daf two <laughs> And, um, okay, so let's go back. We mentioned all the 15 people, um, and we discussed how, um, again, sometimes uh, they can do Yibum and sometimes they cannot. Um, and again, if they died or they were divorced beforehand, uh, then they could do, uh, they could do Yibum uh, to the co-wife. Um, okay, um, sorry, one second. Okay, um, let's go. So that was the end of the Mishnah. Let's go to the Gemara at the bottom of Daf 2. Um, the Gemara tells us that all these women, um, all women are learnt from the wife's sister. Remember I said that one is an important case? It's an important case because that one is um, where we have a verse that says that a wife's sister is, you, right, that a man cannot marry his wife's sister, right? The co-wife um, does, uh, sorry, um, from the wife's sister. And then the Gemara asks, why, um, why was it this order in the, in the Mishnah? Again, the order of daughter, granddaughter, and then mother-in-law, you know, the, the grandmother-in-law. Um, the Gemara asks, maybe it's by severity, right? If you have relations with your daughter, uh, it's, it's much worse. Uh, a more severe punishment. Um, the Gemara says, no, um, daughter is first um, because it's from a, a, an interpretation of a specific verse. 
uh, and the other ones are extrapolated from that, and therefore the daughter comes first. Um, Daf 3 tells us we only know about the daughter, again, from this interpretation, uh, and therefore it's, uh, she is mentioned first. And then we continue with the generation. So we start with the daughter, and then we go down, uh, and then, you know, again, we go up, uh, and then we go over across to sisters. Um, the Gemara says, no, uh, that's not the order. Maybe the order is excuse me, the closeness to the person, right? First hand, second hand, third hand, or right, first, second, and third generations. Um, as we said, first you go down, then you go up, and then you go across, as I mentioned, to sisters. Um, when we use the word exempt, it means no, no yibum, um, and then the question is no yibum, and then you do chalitza, or you're exempt completely, no yibum, no chalitza. Again, to remind us, yibum means that you get married. Chalitza means you do the ceremony and everybody goes on their own, on their own way. Um, now there's a discussion and we'll see it later on in the Masechet. What's better? Is it better to do yibum or chalitza? So Abba Shaul says it's better to do chalitza than yibum. Interestingly enough, the Torah tells us the opposite. It's better to do yibum than chalitza. And this we're going to talk about later on in the Masechet. Um, so we said um, 15 women are counted twice in the Mishnah. And the question is why, right? If the wife is suspected of adultery before he dies, then when he dies, she's exempt. Um, and this is like an exclusion of um, all uh, that wasn't really mentioned uh, in our list. And therefore, the fact that it's repeated teaches us somebody else. Who else could it, um, could it uh, include? If one of the wives is a minor, right? So then, um, then after he dies, then the, not only is she uh, exempt, but so too the co-wife is also exempt. Or maybe the case is if one of the wives was divorced um, from the husband and then married someone else and then remarried the original husband, which is not okay, uh, that is uh, not allowed. Um, so that is that exempts the co-wife from Yibum as well, right? All of these are constructing cases where it's not a regular marriage. Um, so the Gemara tells us that you cannot marry a woman and her sister, right? As we mentioned before, this is called erva, right? Uh, this is, a, a, what we, I guess we would say, an illicit relationship or a prohibited relationship. Uh, and therefore, they are not allowed to marry each other. Um, however, right, we say that um, in the case of Yibum, right, maybe it would be okay. Uh, and here we're going to start uh, a very uh, lengthy discussion um, about um, who is okay, right, who you're allowed to marry and who you are not allowed to marry. Um, and the Gemara tells us that, um, that again, uh, you are, a man is not allowed to marry his brother's wife. So then how could it be that he does Yibum? Uh, the Gemara tells us at the bottom of Daf 3 uh, a very important principle.
in Hebrew we say asay doche lotase, which means a positive commandment is going to uh, suspend a negative commandment. What does that mean? Uh, the positive commandment of having to do yibum is going to suspend the prohibition of marrying one's brother's wife. Right, and therefore we say uh, that the brother can marry, right, the widow of his brother. However, that doesn't work for all the other uh, relationships, and that's what we're going to go through before. But before we get to that, um, the Gemara first questions if this principle is true. Can a uh, positive commandment, uh, suspend a prohibition. And the Gemara says, well, wait a minute, um, are the, uh, one of these, uh, the prohibition is very severe, right? The, the prohibition to marry one of these uh, prohibited relations uh, is actually karet, which is uh, the most severe case that we know. Um, and then maybe we're going to say that the, the positive commandment does not um, suspend uh, a very severe prohibition, maybe only a regular say, right? A regular uh, prohibition would be okay. So now we're going to look for a source for this principle. Um, the Gemara on Dafur tells us we learn it from tzitzit, right? The um, the four-cornered garment. Um, when it's written in the Torah, it's written next to uh, the prohibition of shatnez. Uh, shatnez is the prohibition of mixing um, wool and linen in one garment. Uh, the idea is that um, the uh, the tzitzit, the the fringes of the garment are actually wool, uh, and the garment might be linen, uh, and therefore we are going to actually uh, have a garment that seemingly would be prohibited, but the, the Torah tells us that the positive commandment of tzitzit overrides shatnez, right, the prohibition of mixing materials. Um, and so too, right here with Yibum, right when uh, the the Gemara says that um, that uh, sorry, let's go back to Tzitzit. Um, that Tzitzit is um, interpreted, um, and therefore it becomes um, a a commandment that we need to do. Uh, or maybe it's because uh, the word is extra. Again, uh, remember in the Gemara. Uh, we're going to say that you can only interpret words that are superfluous. If they're not superfluous, we need them to teach what they're actually teaching. Um, so the Gemara says, um, are these words superfluous? And then we can learn uh, the idea that a positive commandment is uh, can override the negative prohibition. Um, so um, the Gemara continues and tells us, that uh, on DAF 5, uh, there's a discussion or a disagreement uh, whether certain words are extra or not. Again, as we said, we want them to be extra. Um, the Gemara now goes to another case of the leper of the Mitzorah. Uh, at the end of um, the, the, the leper's um, 
uh, quarantine, uh, the, the leper needs to do a certain ceremony. Part of that ceremony is that they need to shave their entire body. Now, um, we know that uh, a, a man is actually not allowed uh, to shave his uh, peot, right, the corners of his, um, the edges of his um, head. Uh, so the question is, how could it be that um, uh, the leper, the mitzorah, is allowed to shave uh, his entire body if you're not allowed to shave the corners of your head? Uh, and here the Gemara tells us that, again, um, the positive commandment of shaving the head um, trumps or overrides the negative commandment of uh, shaving your peot, right, the corners of your head. The Gemara says that's really a weak argument because that's only a, a prohibition for men, not for women, uh, and therefore that is, uh, that is weak. Maybe we learn it from a beard, right? The, the priest is not allowed to shave his beard. Uh, and again, if a priest becomes a leper, he needs to shave everything. Um, and we say, again, uh, that is not so strong, uh, and therefore uh, it is not, um, uh, it's not superfluous, and we cannot learn uh, from here. Uh, what about a Nazarite, a Nazir? Um, they try again. Uh, the Nazir is not allowed to cut his hair or her hair, uh, but if they get uh, sarat, if they get leprosy, again, we said you need to cut your hair. So again, uh, competing uh, factors. Uh, the Gemara says, well, no, that's not really a good case because a Nazir is a vow and you can uh, annul your vow and therefore it doesn't really, uh, it's not really a very strong, um, a strong proof. Uh, let's try again. Uh, let's go back to Tzitzit. Um, again, we're looking for superfluous words, um, and we find uh, certain words that, that the Gemara says are um, extra, uh, and therefore that seems to be the source that, again, the ase, the positive commandment, is doche, uh, is uh, suspends or, or trumps the uh, the lotase. Um, so then the Gemara goes back to this idea, um, but what about if if the the um, what about if there's an issue of karet the lotase the negative uh, the prohibition is uh, very stringent does it still work um, so the gemara says yes it's learned from brit milah right from circumcision uh, that you are allowed to do circumcision on shabbat so what do we see again you're not allowed to harm yourself on shabbat um, however. Um, the positive commandment of doing uh, Brit Milah, um, it does override Shabbat. Uh, and again, Shabbat uh, is very stringent. Um, so the Gemara says, no, that maybe that doesn't count because Brit Milah is very important. Uh, the Gemara tells us that it, uh, it says the word covenant 13 times uh, when dealing with Brit Milah. Uh, so therefore, uh, that would not be uh, that would not be uh, a, a good example. Maybe we can learn it from Pesach, uh, or maybe we learn it uh, from um, the Korban Tamid, right? The, the daily sacrifice that's brought on Shabbat. And again, that seems to override Shabbat. Both are very strong uh, asses, uh, positive commandments. Um, 
So the Gemara says, maybe we won't learn from each one because individually, maybe they're not strong enough. Um, but maybe we can learn uh, if we group them together, right? So maybe we can learn from uh, circumcision and Pesach. Both of those are karet. Uh, or maybe we can learn from Pesach and Tamid. Both of those are sacrifices. Um, or maybe we can learn from uh, circumcision and the Tamid, the sacrifice, um, because both of those are uh, given before um, Matan Torah, before we receive the Torah. Um, but the Gemara says we can't learn from all three. Uh, and therefore, uh, the, interestingly, the Gemara tells us Wait a minute, I have an example at the bottom of the five um, that honoring your parents does not override Shabbat, right? Everyone in the Gemara tells us, and this I think is a, a beautiful idea and an important idea, that everyone is obligated uh, in keeping Shabbat. And therefore, um, if your parents tell you to override Shabbat, to, sorry, to transgress the Shabbat, you do not listen to your parents and you keep the Shabbat. So here actually we see uh, that um, something does not override Shabbat. The Gemara says, well, there's a special, uh, a special teaching uh, to teach this specific case, but in general, it would override Shabbat. Um, daf number, uh, daf six tells us um, that again, as we mentioned, right, if a, a parent asks a child to transgress any commandment, um, you do not listen to them. Um, sorry about that. So for um, example, I just have a question. So for example, if they said to you can drive on Shabbos, I mean, can you drive me somewhere on Shabbos? You know, Torah tells you honor your father and mother. However, Torah tells you not to light a fire. So you, you're saying that not to light the fire would be the correct path to follow and to correct. not listen to your mother and father. Correct. In this case, in general, yeah. we should listen, listen to your parents. Um, but if they tell you to transgress the Shabbat, then you do not, uh, you are not obligated. Uh, you do not follow their uh, wishes in that case. Again, with Thank respect you. and in the nicest way, uh, but uh, one needs to uh, keep the Shabbat. Yes, excellent question. Um, Okay, um, uh, again, uh, the Gemara brings another example that building uh, the temple, the Beit HaMikdash, uh, did not, uh, did not uh, override Shabbat. Um, and again, the Gemara says, maybe this is a particular case and it doesn't teach us the rule. Um, the, the Gemara tells us, again, as we mentioned, uh, and you mentioned as well, right, you cannot light a fire on Shabbat. Um, it's singled out specifically, um, and the Gemara says, right, why is it singled out? Again, we have a general prohibition from work on Shabbat. Um, maybe it's singled out uh, because uh, this actually does not have, it's actually a lower level, and you do not get the same um, punishment for this as other things. Or, says the Gemara, um, it actually teaches us that every single um, every single transgression of Shabbat um, gets its own punishment. Uh, and here uh, we're, we're, I don't want to say we're a little off topic because we're talking about transgressing the Shabbat. Um, but uh, the Gemara now talks about, again, we're talking about different things that can override other prohibitions. Um, and now the Gemara talks about what about 
um, putting someone to death on Shabbat, meaning uh, to execute uh, on Shabbat, meaning a, a court found that uh, the, um, the, um, uh, uh, the person in the court uh, is um, subject to execution. Are they allowed to execute that person on Shabbat? Uh, again, here we're going to say that they are going to execute the person with what's called srefa, which is burning. Interestingly enough, uh, we uh, it, it's not what you would think, right? It's not like burning someone at the stake. They didn't uh, burn the person. They actually um, uh, melted uh, um, lead, or uh, I think it was lead. Uh, they would melt it and then pour it down their throat and actually like burn them from the inside. It's horrible. Um, but uh, again, here is you would have to light a fire in order to do this. Um, does it um, oh, does it trump Shabbat? And the Gemara says it does not trump uh, Shabbat. Um, the the Gemara on Daf Seven. Um, tries to play with different things that override uh, different prohibitions, right? So the Gemara tells us that uh, work in, uh, or I should say worship in the temple is, right, does override Shabbat, right? We know and we've learned in, in previous Masech Tot that, um, um, that w they were able to bring different sacrifices on Shabbat. It's part of uh, the Shabbat observance. Uh, so we see that um, worship or avodah in the temple um, over, overrides Shabbat. And interestingly enough, capital punishment or execution overrides doing work in the Beit HaMikdash, in the temple, right? So if the there's nobody around and a Kohen has to execute somebody uh, and it's also time or they need to give a korban, a sacrifice, um, capital punishment trumps or overrides um, doing that work in the, in the temple. Um, you, right, you can take, or sorry, uh, sorry, I take it back. Um, the case here on Daf 7 is that it's the priest who is um, uh, Chayav, who is uh, the one who is on trial, and he is the one who needs to get killed. You take him away from doing the avodah, the work in the Beit HaMikdash, and you execute him. So that's the case. So therefore, right, we're doing a logic proof, right? If A trumps B and B trumps C, so maybe A should trump C. I hope that was clear, right? So again, work in the, in the temple trumps Shabbat. Killing trumps, uh, again, uh, execution trumps work uh, uh, in, the, in the temple. So therefore, maybe capital punishment should trump Shabbat, right? And the Gemara basically says, no, uh, this is not the case. And um, uh, it does not trump Shabbat. Uh, and therefore, that is, we do not, we still don't have a proof uh, that a positive commandment can override uh, a very severe negative, right, a prohibition. Uh, so again, the Gemara says on Daf 7, uh, maybe a regular uh, positive commandment doesn't override uh, a, a prohibition that punishment is karet. Um, or maybe there's no difference, meaning once you're overriding, you're overriding. And therefore, we need a special verse to teach us um, that um, it is not, uh, that we do not override. Again, let's, let's just repeat for a minute. 
Um, we said that yibum is uh, we are overriding the negative uh, commandment of a man marrying his brother's wife. Um, however, we said that yibum, that positive commandment, does not override all the other um, prohibited relationships. Uh, and the question is why? And we said that there's a specific verse that teaches us this. Um, so again, the Gemara asks on Daf 7, right, why would I need a specific verse to teach us this if I know, uh, if I say that um, the punishment is karet, this is very severe, and therefore, uh, in general, it wouldn't override this prohibition, right? The assumption is uh, that it would override the prohibition. Um, so the Gemara continues and tells us that the verse that teaches Eshet Ach, uh, meaning the wife of his brother, that verse was singled out to teach us something specific um, and then it goes back to the general category, right? And maybe this is another principle. Um, I don't know if you remember, we learned um, that there are 13 principles of Rabbi Yishmael um, in which we are able to uh, understand the verses in the Torah, uh, right? Uh, one of those is Kalva uh, Chomer or Hekesh, right? There are different rules or principles that we use. Um, here the Gemara says maybe we should use the principle of uh, a general category that exists. Um, then the Torah um, um, takes out something from that general category, meaning it specifies something in particular uh, with a certain law. And then we say, ah, why was it taken out? So that we can bring it back to the general category and learn that rule for all uh, of the, the uh, details in that general category. Um, so the Gemara says, uh, again, normally your brother's wife is um, prohibited. It was singled out to say that sometimes it's okay, right? Yibum. Therefore, maybe I can take it back and say, ah, just like my brother's wife is okay, maybe all of those forbidden relationships, again, uh, go back to the beginning of this class, right? All of those relationships, um, maybe those are also okay. The Gemara says, no, 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 that's not the case. Rather, um, we are not going to use this principle of bringing it back to the general category. Rather, we're going to use a different principle. Why was the brother's wife singled out? to teach something specific about this case, but we do not bring it back to all the other cases unless there's a verse that connects the two together. Um, and the Gemara um, gives us a, a, another case, an example of this. Uh, we're not going to go to that example, but uh, it's, it's talking about um, different sacrifices. But again, the, there was a general category the, there was a specific rule taught about one of those uh, um, details in the category, and the only way you can apply it back to the general category is if there is a specific verse. Um, and therefore, because there isn't a specific verse, the Gemara concludes that we only permit the brother's wife, but not all the other um, prohibited relations. Um, Okay, 
Another principle, the Gemara says, well, wait a minute, maybe we can say that once you permit one thing, maybe I'll permit everything. Um, and there's a case of this, uh, the Gemara quotes a case at the bottom of Daf 7, uh, where this actually happens, that something is forbidden, and then uh, for whatever reason, it becomes permitted. And then the Gemara says, since that's already being permitted, let's permit everything uh, in order to facilitate this case. Um, so maybe we can say uh, the same thing here, right? Maybe once I permit the brother's wife, maybe I should permit all the other relationships. And the Gemara at the top of eight says, no, uh, we do not use this principle for Yibum. Um, rather, maybe it depends on when um, the prohibition was created, right? The Gemara tells us at the top, top of Daf 8, um, right, if, if it was never permitted in the first place, then, um, then um, it would not be permitted, right? And here, uh, the Gemara mentions the case that I mentioned uh, in the beginning, uh, or the la one of the last cases uh, that we mentioned, that if the brother was married uh, to a woman, and then he died, and then another brother married the sister, right, the, the, the widow, um, you might have thought, um, again, uh, that... Ah, sorry, not that case, sorry. Um, the Gemara tells us that, again, the, uh, two brothers married two sisters. Um, the brother dies, uh, and then, um, sorry, I take it back. Let's start again. A br the brother was married, and then he dies, and then the other brother marries the sister, meaning it's not that, like we said in the beginning, two brothers married two sisters, and then the brother died. That obviously does not work um, because the, the, the brother, the surviving brother, cannot marry his wife's sister. However, what if it went the other way around, right? Meaning, um, what if the relationship was created in a different order? Um, so you might think that in that case, maybe he can marry, excuse me, maybe he can marry the, the, the widow, because once it's already permitted to marry for Yibum, maybe it doesn't matter if the same woman is not only his brother's wife, but also his, his wife's sister. Um, okay, you're getting a good taste of what Yivamot is going to be like, but uh, it's going to be great. Anyway, the Gemara tells us, no, uh, that is not okay, and we need a verse to teach us that this is not okay. Um, or maybe we don't learn it from a verse. We learn it from, uh, again, um, the, the fact that um, the brother's wife is permitted in Yibum. We do not um, extrapolate to other cases, which, and we do not say um, that um, all other cases would be permitted. Uh, the Gemara entertains for one minute or one line uh, maybe everybody would be permitted, maybe nobody is permitted, um, and the Gemara says, no, 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 uh, you're going too far, uh, and basically we need a verse to teach that the co-wives, right, the tsara, the co-wife of a forbidden relationship, of an erva, 
is forbidden to do yibum, right? And that was the cases that we showed at the beginning. Um, again, we don't need a verse to teach us that a forbidden relationship doesn't need yibum. We said that is clear that that is exempt. Um, and therefore, uh, that the, the Gemara um, ends that idea um, here. Um, the Gemara continues on Daf 8 and tells us that two words um, teach about the co-wives. Again, if you remember our picture, um, not only, um, right, again, the, the prohibited relation, right? His daughter, his granddaughter, his uh, mother's sister, right? Those women uh, are clearly uh, exempt from um, exempt from um, yibum, but so too the co-wives as well. Uh, and therefore, um, the Gemara says that um, right. Otherwise, meaning not in a yibum case. Uh, let's say uh, in another in another scenario, um, you can marry the co-wife of someone who is prohibited. Um, or the Gemara says, no, no, no. The, teach, the, the verse teaches us that you can never marry the co-wife. Um, again, uh, Dafi continues, maybe the erva, right, that prohibited relationship, um, maybe without yibum um, would be okay. Obviously, the Gemara says no. Again, what the Gemara is trying to do is create scenarios where we test all of these principles, right? How far do we extend the prohibition or the exemption, right? And that is what the Gemara is trying to do. That, uh, again, as we mentioned before, as long as the the wife, as long as the wife is alive, the the husband is not allowed to marry her sister, even if they get divorced, right? If the a man is married to a woman uh, and she has a sister. Uh, if they get divorced, the man is not allowed to marry her sister. That is a forbidden relationship. Um, and therefore, um, the, the Gemara tells us um, that that would be forbidden. Uh, the last case, uh, the last uh, idea on Daf 8 uh, is um, the, the words uh, that the, the Yavam, the brother, um, takes um, the woman, right, the, the, the widow, he takes her and he does yibum with her. What does that mean? What do we learn from here? Uh, again, uh, we learn that um, if you can't marry one of the wives, then uh, you cannot marry any of the wives. Again, as we say, right, you take her, meaning you have to be able to marry any one of the wives. If you have any relationship with any one of the wives, then you, you are exempt from all the other, uh, you're exempt from everybody. Uh, the last point on this daf um, is that, um, sorry, one more point, that the co-wife also is prohibited for yibum, but in other cases it is okay. Uh, and now the last point is when it says to take her, uh, it means the, the Gemara teaches us that when they do yibum, right, again, yibum is um, another form of marriage. Uh, and the Gemara tells us that once they perform yibum, they are officially married, meaning that if they wanted to separate, they would actually need a get, uh, a, a divorce contract 
in order to separate. And uh, if they wanted to get remarried, they would be able to. Uh, and the last point, uh, the Gemara tells us, v'yivama, and he does yibum to uh, her. Uh, the Gemara says, therefore, we learn that biblically, a man can do yibum against the woman's will, uh, right? Biblically, that would be okay, but don't worry, don't get upset. In a few daf, uh, we are going to learn that that is not okay. Uh, the rabbis um, made a decree that that would not be okay, just like um, right, someone is not allowed um, to marry a woman against her will, uh, so too you may not do yibum against the woman's will. Uh, and therefore, we are going to see this later on. However, the Gemara does tell us that according to the text, meaning on a biblical level, uh, it does work. Meaning, let's say the man doesn't listen and he does it anyway, that is seen as doing yibum. Uh, however, uh, that is something that uh, is not okay uh, on many levels. Um, with that, uh, we are going to end today's, uh, today's shiur. Um, I, I apologize if it was too fast uh, or, um, it, I mean, it is complicated, uh, and I hope that it was clear um, with the pictures. Um, we are going to, uh, it was a lot for today, and I know that when uh, we start uh, a new masachet, uh, there are a lot of things that we have to um, kind of uh, absorb right away. Uh, we're kind of, as we mentioned at the beginning, we're kind of thrown uh, right into it. Um, but don't worry, meaning we have many daf. This is a pretty big masachet. Um, so we are going to deal with all the issues that we've mentioned um, in this first Mishnah. We're going to uh, go through it uh, slowly, um, but there will be uh, charts and diagrams similar to what I showed you today. Again, I really thank Hadran for making those beautiful, um, those beautiful slides. I thought that they were very clear in terms of men, women, who's related to who. Um, so I'm, I look forward to using those in the future. Uh, I want to wish everybody, um, first of all, um, uh, a, a Shabbat Shalom. A, first, a Purim Sameach. Uh, so wishing everyone a wonderful Purim and uh, a Shabbat Shalom. And uh, next week, it is going to be again at this time. Uh, so for those of you, uh, right, we are now uh, Israel did not change the clocks yet. Um, so next week, it's going to be the same time as it was this week. Um, and the then we are going to change the clocks and then we will kind of even out. Uh, so again, Purim Sameach to everyone and really wishing you a wonderful week and uh, see you next week.